want you to think of two people that you really love. Two people that you really love and you're burdened because they're not a Christian. They're not a believer. Could be a brother, sister, mom, dad, coworker, neighbor. Who, who are two people in your life that you really like and love and you're passionate about these two people giving their lives to Jesus? I want you to think about who are your two people. We'll come back to it. Our story today is in 2 Kings chapter 7. And if you've got the app, the phone, turn there. If you're brand new to our church today, you can download the Harborside app quickly and all this information's there. But the king of Israel is in trouble. And what's happened is a foreign army has come and they have besieged the capital city. It's a big word. Say besieged. A little more passion. Besieged. Besieged. They, They besieged them. And so the king of Israel, they're starving. All the people in the capital city, they're inside the city gates, and they are starving to death. And basically, they're Syrians, they're called Armenians then, but the Syrians have surrounded the capital city, and the king and all of his officers and all the people are inside the city gates. You with me so far? All right. Outside the city gates, there are four lepers. And the four lepers, you kind of get the picture of them. They're kind of in the shade, sitting there against, leaning up against the wall. And these four lepers, they too are in real trouble. And the four lepers have this conversation. They say, you know what? we got to make a move here. Because if we sit here, we're going to die. We're going to starve. If we go back into the city, through the gates, we're going to starve because they don't have any food either. So I, I got a bright idea, says one of them. I mean, door number one, door number two is not very good. Door number three is not great either. But door number three is, what if we just go over to the enemy camp and surrender? And they'll probably kill us. But what if we just, I mean, we don't have any other options. Let's just go over there and surrender and see if they'll feed us. So here's the story, four lepers, 2 Kings chapter 7. Four lepers, four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. This is the capital city of Israel. So you got, you got the picture? There's four guys leaning up against the, the wall trying to figure out what to do. They're all starving to death. The Israelites are going to die. And they said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will what? We will die. A little more passion. We will, we will die. Okay. And if we stay here, we will, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. If they spare us, we will live. If they kill us, we will. So it's a great plan. It's a great plan. So at dusk, they got up and they went to the camp of the Armenians. So you can just see four lepers now leaving the the city gate, and they're now going over to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. No one was there. Unbelievable. For the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So the Syrians, the Armenians, think that the Israelites have hired some what? Some mercenaries. And now we're in real trouble. But it wasn't mercenaries. It was the sound of the Lord. The Lord released a shout 
And the shout of the Lord caused all this incredible confusion. And now these four lepers just walk into this, this camp. This is a great story. So they got up and they fled in the dusk and they abandoned their tents and their horses and their, and their donkeys. So all, all the Armenians, the Syrians are gone. They left their camp as it was and they ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy, now they get to the camp. And they entered one of the tents, and oh, lo and behold, there's food in the tent. Where, where's the enemy? Where are all these people? And so they ate, and they drank. And then they took silver, gold, and clothes, and they went off and they hid them. I mean, here's four lepers about to die. And they go into this tent, and they're like, praise God, glory, hallelujah, there's lots of food. And they eat, it's a smorgasbord. They eat, and they eat, and they eat, and they eat. They're bloated, they're about to throw up, you know, they're so full. And now, now they're poor, but now they got silver, now they got gold, now they got clothes. I mean, this can't get much better for them. Then they took the silver, the gold, the clothes, and they went off and they hid them. Then they returned and entered another tent. Now that we're going to another tent. We, we may not eat tomorrow, let's eat again. So we go in here, and now we eat some more. And they, those, and they took some of the things from it, and they hid it also. Now, now they're hiding all this stuff. I mean, they're lepers. What are they going to do with it? But they're hiding it. Then they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this back to the capital city, back to our king, to the royal palace. So they went, you know, they're, they're now they're barely able to walk, you know, because they're so full. So they go back, and they called out to the city gatekeepers, and they told them, hey, we went into the Armenian camp, and nobody's there. Not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys in the tents, just as they were. The gatekeepers then turn around, and they shout the news to the king and to all the officers, and it was reported within the palace. Well, the king's not buying it. The king thinks this is a trick. We're, we're going to be hoodwinked here, and so the king's like, I don't think this has really happened. The king got up in the night, and he said to his officers, I'll tell you what the Armenians have done. They know we're starving, <clears throat> so they've left the camp to hide in the countryside, thinking they will surely come out, and then we will take them alive, and we'll get them into the city. So the king is what? Not a whole lot of faith in this king, right? Not, not a lot of vision. But he's probably a good king and thinking through some of this. One of the officers answered, well, hey, sir, we're all about to die. Can we just throw a Hail Mary here and see if this is going to work or not? I mean, I mean, what have we got to lose right now? So one of the officers was smart enough to suggest, well, let's not risk everybody. I mean, we're all going to die anyway, but let's just go out and just, you know, send somebody and see if it's really real. Have some of the men take five of the horses that are left in the city. Their plight will be like all of us. We're going to die here too. Yes, they will only be like these Israelites who are doomed. So let us send them to find out what's happened. King, what have we got to lose is what he's asking. So they selected two chariots with their horses, and the king sent them after the Armenian army. He commanded the drivers, go and find out what happened. These lepers are telling us there's food. And they followed them as far as the Jordan, and they found the whole road strewn with clothing and equipment the Armenians had thrown away in their headlong flight. So the messengers returned, and they reported this to the king. And basically, they got saved, a bunch of them. And he says, this is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to 
ourselves. Now, we've all had this feeling. We've all thought this in our brains. I have something. I wonder if I should share this. I'm really good at this. I wonder if I should give this away. I have this. They don't have this. I wonder what I should do with this. It could be money. It could be skill. It could be an idea. All of us in this room have felt that and experienced that before. I mean, even to a lighter degree, a lesser degree. I mean, if, if you have a recipe that's like kicking, you need to share that recipe with everybody, right? If you have a recipe for homemade key lime pie and you keep that to yourself, you're going to hell. <laughs> Straight up, okay? Straight up, you're going to hell. You, you, you got to... Sorry. You got a boat mechanic that actually shows up sober and you don't share that with other people? You have plants in your yard that the deer refuse to eat and you don't share that with everybody else? I mean, we have a smorgasbord at the Parker Hacienda. I mean, we have fed the deer for two years. The deer came in looking bad. The deer leave our area looking great. That's just really true. So we've planted some new plants the last two weeks and so far they're a little prickly. So far they're working. This is a day of great news, and, and we are keeping it to ourselves. It's interesting. This, this guy right here, he performed the first local anesthesia. He was in the Antarctic, doctor, nobody else around, and he's having an appendicitis attack. He knew he had just a few hours to live. Nobody else could do it. And this guy figured out how to do local anesthesia, and he's operating on himself with a mirror. I got some other really good pictures, but some of you haven't gutted deer, so I'm afraid to show those to you, okay? But th this, this was amazing. And, and to keep this to himself, if you have the cure for a type of breast cancer and you keep that to yourself, you have the cure for a type of prostate cancer and you keep... Why, why would anybody do that? And these guys are saying, this is great news, great news. This is a day of great news, and we cannot keep this unto ourselves. Now, before I get into where I'm really wanting to take us, I, I, I want to get off the highway for just a minute and go to a rest area and talk about something that's not the point of the sermon. But I think it's interesting, their, their motivation for giving. It's not where we're going. It's not the point of the sermon. But I, I, we've already had offering, and most of you give online. But I want you to think about why you give or why you don't give. And in this story, they didn't have the best of motives. They said to each other, this isn't right, what we're doing. This is a day of good news, and we'll keep it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. So here's fear. There's fear of being caught, fear of being found out, fear of punishment. So I, I was given this incredible publication about a month ago. You know we're going to build a new worship center. I'm going to keep telling you more and more about that. And so I'm looking at lots of worship centers with a team. <clears throat> and I was given this really cool publication by another church. And it talked about five different levels of giving. I've never heard it put this way before. So this is for your benefit. So which one of these givers are you? And which one of these givers do you want to be? Now, I don't know what anybody at our church gives. I'm one of the few pastors, 
I don't know of another pastor of a church our size or this area, this size, that doesn't know. But I don't want to know. Because I, I, don't, I don't want you to give for me. I want you to give because you love Jesus. So I, I don't know what you give. I don't know what anybody gives. But it does matter what kind of a giver you are. And it does matter to your Heavenly Father. And giving always reflects who you are. And giving always reflects your heart and says, says what you're grateful for. So I came up, this is a great publication. And the first one is, if I'm a consumer, I am self-focused, impulsive, and I, and I don't give at all. And I'm told, that, of course, according to publications, that a whole lot of believers don't give anything. Now, I don't understand that. I don't understand how we wouldn't be falling over our own feet wanting, I'm so grateful for what Jesus Christ has done for me. But, but that's the first one. I'm just, I'm just a consumer. I'm here to see what I can get out of it. That's, that's the lowest level. Number two, if, I give, if I'm a casual giver, I give sporadically, detached, and passively. If I'm a casual giver, I, I really haven't thought this through. And I think giving ought to be strategic. I think people ought to be percentage givers. I think this is something that's really important. I think about my investing. I spend hours thinking about investing. and how. I'm, why wouldn't I invest in the real kingdom that's going to last forever? So if I'm a casual giver, if I'm a reluctant giver, I, I am fearful of requiring ask and I'm unimaginative. I'm reluctant. They're not going to get any of my money. I won't talk about this next week because we'll have lots of guests here. And that's all they think about. That's all they think. All the church wants is my money. No, we don't. We want your hands and your heart. That's what we want. Because when we have your hands and your heart, we can charge hell with a water pistol. So the fourth one, though, is pretty good. If I'm an intentional giver, I'm thoughtful, <clears throat> joyful, strategic, and I'm invested. I'm an intentional giver. So again, I, if you're one of these, if you're the first one, let's, let's go to the second one. If you're the second one there, let's go to the third one. If you're the third one, let's, let's go to the fourth one. And this last one's where we all need to get to be, and I'm not sure that I'm there yet either, but we all should get there. If I'm a courageous giver, I am motivated, eternally focused, and I'm excited. You see, this, this giver understands there's two kingdoms. One's temporary, one's eternal. One's here, and one's forever. And again, I just, that's not where we're going this morning. That was all free. Okay. All right, so get back in the car with me. We're getting back on the highway, and we're coming back to the point of today's message. <clears throat> in Mark chapter 5, there's this story of Jesus and his disciples getting in the boat and rowing across the, the Sea of Galilee. So picture a clock, and let's say you're going, let's say north is 12 o'clock, Five o'clock is where they're at. They row across the lake to about five o'clock on this lake on the Sea of Galilee. And they're in a region called the, the, the Gerizines, and it's, it's heathen territory. It's pagan country. It's why there's pigs in this story. The Jews wouldn't be raising pigs, but the Gentiles could care less. And so, so they're going to this heathen area, and the first thing, the disciples are freaked out anyway, and the first thing that happens is there's this guy that runs up to Jesus. And he's been a demoniac. He's been filled with demons. He lives among the tombs and the graves. I, I get the picture that in freshly dug graves, before the body gets in there, this guy's hanging out in the cemetery and just keeps moving from tomb to tomb to tomb. This guy would cut himself. 
and he would howl all night. And everybody was scared of this man. And, and they would put chains on his hands, and they would put chains on his legs and his feet. But he was so strong and demonically possessed, he would break the chains. He would just burst forth. And everybody in that area was freaked out. Jesus gets off the boat, 5 o'clock, let's say, on, on the map. And the guy comes running up to Jesus. And he says, what do you want to do with me, son of God? Now, even the demons know who Jesus is. And, and, and Jesus says, you know what, this, basically I'm going to cast all these, who are you? I'm legion, I'm going to cast these demons out of you. And, and in, in, in just a matter of minutes, the demons are screaming to, to don't, don't force us out of this territory. That's a whole other sermon. Demons always want to stay in the same territory. That's why you still struggle with some of the same things you've been struggling with for 30 or 40 years. That's another sermon for another day. They don't want to give up their territory. And so the demons are saying, there's a herd of pigs right over there. And I, can you see? Jesus said, all right, go to the pigs. And you know the story. They, demons go in the pigs. The pigs go over the cliff. They all die. And Jesus heals this demoniac. This demoniac now, for the first time in his life, is in his right mind, calm, cool, dressed, and everybody's going, what just happened? And then this guy says, well, can I get in the boat and can I go with you? I, w- I want to go with you, and I want to go on your, your mission trips, and I want to go with you. And Jesus said, no. Now, why did Jesus say no? Why wouldn't Jesus let this guy go with him? It's an amazing story. All right, let's just refresh a couple of pieces of it. So those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town, the countryside. And the pigs just went over the cliff, and the guys just lost their whole herd. And the people went out to see what had happened. There's a connection now between 2 Kings and Mark. There's a connection between the four lepers and now the demoniac in Mark chapter 5. When they came to Jesus... They saw the man who'd been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there and dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. (laughs) Something just happened. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And they told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. By the way, there will always be people who prefer the pigs over Jesus. I don't get it. You don't get it. You're here. But there will always be people who prefer swine over the Son of Man. It's just the way it is. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And what does Jesus say? He says no. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home. Go home to your own people. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them what? Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, his ten cities, how much Jesus had done for them. And all the people were amazed. Here's a guy who's had thousands of demons inside of him. Now he's telling thousands of people about Jesus Christ, and they are repenting and giving their lives to him. It's an amazing story. So, So what's the point of this morning? Go home to your own people. And you tell them how much the Lord has done for you. 
Now, I, I've been a pastor for a few, several years, and I, I love, I love evangelism. I love meeting people. I got a whole bunch of heathen friends at Starbucks. I love these heathens. Uh, I won't call them heathens next week because I think they're all going to be here. But anyway, I, I, I love them all. But you know what you and I are to do? He, he says, go home. Jesus wouldn't let him go back with Jesus in the boat because the man has influence with his family and with his friends and with his daughter-in-laws. And the, and the man would have influence with all his neighbors and friends, and everybody knew the guy. And so here's the whole point this morning. Our job is to tell them. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. This is what we do. We just tell people what the Lord has done for us. Yeah, but Kurt, I, I, can't, I can't connect all the dots. Tell them. Just, just tell them. I don't really know that I understand the six days of creation. Just tell them what the Lord has done for you. I can't harmonize the Gospels and the resurrection. There's two angels in this story, and there's one angel in this story. The other gospel, he's sitting on a stone. Just tell them. All you got to do is tell them. What has the Lord done for you? I don't understand the whole thing about demons. I don't understand the whole thing about angels. Tell them. You see, what has the Lord done for you? What has he done? Well, at some point in history, you gave your life to Christ. At some point, God opened up a business opportunity, a job for you, a window, education. Somehow you were born the right time, the right family, the right place, the right scholarship. What has the Lord done for you professionally? What has he done for you spiritually? He has taken away your sin. He's taken away your shame. He has taken away your guilt. All you and I will do is tell them, tell them what? So you can't argue with that. You just tell them what the Lord has done for you. You can't argue with that. You can argue with the cosmological argument of God or the theological argument of God. I have a Greek and Hebrew degree. Probably most of you in this room don't. don't. It's a big, hairy deal. They don't care. They do want to know if there's hope. They do want to know if the Lord can change their life. And when you tell them how the Lord has been good to you and changed your life, they pay attention. You see, everybody really does want to be invited. And that's why this week is so critical. This week is absolutely critical because Christmas and Easter are the two times and and people, they act big and bad and bow up, but they really want to be invited. They really do. They kind of want to intimidate you a little bit, but they deep down, you just tell them. You tell them. You tell them what the Lord has done for you. And when I think about what God has done for me and my family, I am overwhelmed. I am so overwhelmed that I get to go to heaven forever. My sins are forgiven. I'm overwhelmed with the windows and the doors and the opportunities. I don't look at your lane. I don't run your race. I run my race, and you run your lane, and you run in your race. And all you do is you tell them what the Lord has done for you. So I I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago. And so a week ago Friday, uh, Fridays are my day off, and I run errands and honeydew chores and all that kind of good stuff. And so a week ago Friday, I actually invited six people different venues to church. 
I just said, hey, I'd love to invite you to church. We've got these services and blah, blah, blah. I think they're all coming. I mean it. I think they're all coming. And then last Sunday morning, before first service, one of the ladies that I saw at a place, she, she works at a certain place, she and her husband were in the lobby. And I'm like, wow, and thank goodness I remembered her name, and I met her husband. And, I, and, so, and so, yeah, so I saw her this week. I, I was at Publix yesterday. So I'm in line at Publix, and she's way ahead of me, and I'm, I'm back, several. And I yelled up at her, and she said, so she yells back now over several people. And she says, hey, love church. My husband loved it. No, she said, she, no, she said we loved it. We loved it. And she said, I bought a new blouse. Nobody gets the context, you know. Nobody. I, I bought a brand new. I, 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 I won't see you tomorrow. I'm going. Oh, great! You know, I'm going to get fired. You know, I won't see you tomorrow. But, but I'll come. And, and so, I got so caught up with all that that somehow I pushed my groceries on the lady now in front of me, not this lady. The lady in front, and the lady in front of me bought my groceries. She run, she's gone, and I'm sitting there trying to, you know, pay for it. And the cashier poor girl, she said, I'm sorry, I just charged that lady. I go running out in the parking lot at Publix. I find her, and I said, this was, trying to be funny, this was my lucky day. You just bought my groceries. I know we don't know each other. I'm Kurt. I'm Carol. Great, Carol. Um, I think it's about $17. I'll give you a 20. We'll call it even. She said, absolutely not. She said, these things happen for a reason. Be blessed. I go home. I'm, I'm driving right home. I said, Danita, you'll never believe what just happened. <laughs> Danita believes all these stories, by the way, because they happen all the time. I said, I'm in line. This woman, she thinks I'm cute, and she bought my groceries. <laughs> I'm going to get fired. I know. It, it's been a good ride at Harborside. I just want you, I've enjoyed every minute. I really have. I said, no. I said, I, I, I said here's what happened and the blouse thing and, you know, and Denise laughing. And I couldn't wait to go home and tell her. What has he done for you? I, I, we can't wait to tell. The Lord has been so good to you, so good to me. All we got to do is tell them. Now, some people will prefer the swine over Jesus. That's just the way it is. But, but our job, our, our job is to tell people. That's what we do. We, we, just, we just tell them. We just tell them. So we've got these cards for you to take. And these, these are tools about the six services. I'm actually doing all six of these uh, sermons. But this, you can pray for me next week for supernatural stamina. But, but. Yeah, yeah, we'll just keep, start praying now, all right? But these are just tools for you to take and for you to pass out. You're not going to figure it all out. You're never going to be where you feel righteous enough. Well, Kurt, I'm still struggling with, of course you are. Well, I don't have it all, you don't have it all together. You won't have it all together until you're in heaven. You won't. You just, just tell them. You just tell them. You just tell them. You tell them what the Lord has done for you. God's awesome. In fact, let's just give God a round of applause right now. God is awesome. God is awesome.
God is awesome. He's awesome. All right, who are your two people? Who are the two people that are on your heart and on your mind and you love them and you care? And we're, maybe this is your week to tell them or maybe it's somebody else to tell them. But I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to have to ask the prayer partners to come down front. But I'm going to ask all to stand up. And I'm going to ask you for about 30 or 40 seconds to pray for those two people that are on your heart and on your mind. Maybe it is your responsibility this week to tell them. Maybe it's somebody else's responsibility. But, but you're going to pray for them. So let's pray for them right now. You pray, and then I'll close the service out in just a minute. the lake man he was grateful I'm grateful I'm overwhelmed what you have done for me I'm, I'm just flat overwhelmed I think we all feel that way I think we're all in awe of who you are and so this week may we just tell people what you've done for us and invite them to worship you on resurrection Sunday Lord, if there are those in the room that need special prayer, if there are those in the room that aren't yet believers, we don't have to wait till next Sunday. We can do it today. Bring them forward. And then, Lord, tonight, we get to ordain a young man into full-time Christian ministry as a pastor. What an honor. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray.